Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 94, Daniel Coe. Thanks for listening. The weather's nice today. I think I may be heading up into northern Washington to enjoy the greenery and the flowers that I was talking about in the last radio episode. It was just a couple days ago, by the way, so I'm kind of proud of myself for continuing with you here. Uh, It's nice to check in with you again. Um, But before I head out into the field, and I'll be up there again on Friday and maybe even Saturday as well, so uh, the weather's nice. It's been been blustery and wet the last few days, so I've kind of been home-based, and that's a great luxury, of course, to be able to just kind of be impromptu about when I go out into the field and when not. So to get us into this episode today, which will be a challenge, I'm going to talk about the power of visuals without any visuals here with you with this radio format. So, you know, the the challenge is real today, but I've got an idea that, that might work. It just dawned on me that I should go down here and do this in the basement with you. Uh, I was washing the windows yesterday of the house, you know, we... We uh, all three of our boys are in their late twenties. The oldest guy just turned thirty, and they've got their lives. Uh, uh, all of them are two, three, four hours away from us. But we do. Uh, I'm mainly the orchestrator to get everybody together once or twice a year. Holidays, obviously, we get together. But uh, in late the last week in June, we're going to have everybody here. Looking forward to it. So starting to kind of prepare the house for that. Not that they need preparation of the house, but whatever. You know, it's just a nice routine to kind of get everything right. So I was outside of the house yesterday on the ladder, uh, washing some of our windows, and had my earbuds in. I was listening to a podcast, and and someone tapped me on the shoulder. Kind of startled me, actually, you know. You're in your little audio universe, and and then somebody kind of taps you on the shoulder. It's kind of a jolt. So anyway, she was apologetic, uh, but she was just walking by the house with her dog, and she's uh, an older gal who lives in the neighborhood, and I know that she's been a regular viewer of these sorts of things. So in addition to people in distant places watching and listening, there's, there's folks just down the street. And... Um, Elizabeth uh, said, you know, I, I, I always mean to email you, and by the time I get back to the house, I never never get to it, and I don't want to bother you, but I just, I just, I wanted to tap you on the shoulder today because I just saw that interview you did with Daniel Coe, the guy over in Olympia, and that one was especially meaningful to me, and she started talking about why, and in addition to that, uh, I've been reading many of the comments uh, on that interview. So I'm talking about the latest video that I have on my YouTube channel, and it's called Daniel Coe, Washington Geological Survey. And if you get around to that at some point, maybe this radio episode will, will motivate you to, to watch it. It's, it's, it's more than 40 minutes long, I think. But it is one of my favorites of late, and I'm going to try to 
um, communicate here to you why that was uh, a worthwhile trip. It was two and a half hour drive each way to get to Olympia, and I did that last Friday. It was rainy, first of all, and I, I, I didn't want to go up in the mountains or whatever, but uh, I'd, I'd arranged this with Daniel even before the pandemic. I've been a fan of his for a long time. And then, of course, that didn't work with the pandemic, and now we've just kind of opened up again, and I could visit the offices of the Washington Geological Survey in Olympia, Washington, right across the street from the state capitol. And uh, it was a Friday, so not many people were in the office. I don't even really know what that means. He said, yeah, there's not going to be many people around. It's Friday. I'm like, God, is that where we are, where people only work four days a week? Whatever. I I'm, I'm confused generally about work weeks and now, like, how much of this is permanent where people are working from home, et cetera? Okay, that's not, that's not the emphasis here. The emphasis is, is uh, first of all, making sure that you know about this guy. Uh, to me, he's, he's a cut above everything else out there. And I'll try to communicate right now why I think that. And in addition, I'm going to try to... Um, comment a little bit about why I think visuals are a um, are not a valued part of science commonly and on the on, at the first glance you go well obviously it's a bunch of science people they didn't go into art they didn't go into you know visual training uh, uh, composition that sorts of thing so why would you expect that they would appreciate? or emphasize visuals. And then on the other hand, there's teaching, there's communication, and the power of the visual, whether it's photography or or video or what Daniel does, I mean, it's just, it's the way to go. And it speaks to some people, but not all. So that's what I'm going to try to do in this episode. All right, so, boy, how do I get into it? And how can I kind of well, okay? Let's 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 do the first part first. So I'm I'm a fan in general of the Washington Geological Survey. Used to be called something else. Used to, before that used to be called something else. There's been tons of name changes. I hope they don't change this one. It's an it's an old timey label, and I like it. The Washington Geological Survey. It's a state agency tied to the Washington Department of Natural Resources. Okay. There's a LIDAR portal. There's all sorts of geologic maps. To be totally honest, I'm not a huge viewer. I'm not, I'm not a huge visitor of that website, even though I should be. I should be the person going there more than anybody else, since all of my focus is Washington geology. But I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just out of it with how to get around I'm out of it with how to access LIDAR and, and fly around, cruise around. I, I know that many of the viewers, and maybe you, are, are very adept at that. Somehow I just haven't gotten uh, the nudge that I need on a regular basis. So from my point of view, it's been like an almost an afterthought here or there. Oh, yeah, I really should. One of these days, I really should, like, you know, really go through all those links and, and figure out exactly what the mapping is like. And I know there's apps to you can have on your phone to 
load all these layers of GIS and everything else. It's mostly foreign to me. Okay, so that's one thing that's kind of been nagging. Like, I haven't been promoting the Washington Geological Survey as much as I need to. And in part, I guess that's what I'm doing here today, if you're unaware of our state geological survey. And there's, there seems to be a lot going on there. Uh, there's, it's, it's not a bunch of old dudes working there. It's, 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 a, it's kind of a, a, a bunch of folks in their 30s and 40s and a diverse group and lots of interest in landslides and tsunami and volcanic hazards and other things that are quite interesting to me. Uh, and it's, it's maybe not your daddy's geological survey, depending on which state you're talking about, but I get the impression, although I don't really know, that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was maybe tied to resources or something, like gravel pits and coal beds and inventory of, of what we can pull out of the ground. So anyway, it's, it's a very different place, and so generally I've been a fan. But, 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 but what? One of the employees, to me, shines through. And not just from that office, but really in the world of geology. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, but hear me out. And again, I really do hope you at least get to... Okay, I should have done my homework. Hang on, let me... Let me... So, uh, do you use Instagram? Uh, I use Instagram primarily because it feels like the demographic there is younger and uh, full of attractive people post, uh, posting stuff. I, I follow a lot of, oh God, creepy. I, I, I follow a lot of people who are out there in the mountains. And it's just inspiring for me to, to see all that, all those young uh, people uh, really going for it out there. Okay. So, on, you know, I've, I've shared this YouTube interview on Facebook and on Twitter. That's the, my common thing. But Instagram is kind of the main way to easily showcase the work of Dan Coe. You're like, tell me who this guy is. You're at the 10-minute mark. I still don't even know what we're talking about. Okay, well, I'm getting there. So I just posted another one of Dan's images this morning on Instagram. Okay, here it is. So I said, at Dan Co Photo. So there's two Instagram pages, if you're an Instagram person, that I strongly suggest that you subscribe to. D-A-N-C-O-E Photo, all one word. At Dan, Can, Dan Co Photo. And that's his personal Instagram. And then he has his professional Instagram, at geo underscore co, G-E-O underscore C-O-E. Okay, so what's the topic? Dan Coe, what does he do? Well, he's not a geologist. He's a graphics editor at the Washington Geological Survey. And I guess his main gig is, not I guess, I just interviewed the guy. His main the main reason he was hired was to uh, be a graphics editor for all these geologic maps. So he's the guy picking the colors. He's laying this this out in a pleasing manner. 
Uh, he's, you know, if you read a ge geologic map before, there's all these little labels, you know, QAL and KV and KP. And so he's, you know, literally you know, going through the map and editing it, putting the, the labels in the right little places and making sure everything makes sense and it's pleasing graphically. I think I said that twice already. So that's what I think of if I do happen to think about a map editor or a graphics editor, maybe somebody who knows GIS, which I've heard about, you know, in my school world for three decades now. I still have never really understood exactly how GIS works, geographical information systems. Okay, so I leave that alone. And then in the last, I don't know, what's it been, 10 years, I keep hearing about LIDAR. And I think you know the concept that LIDAR is uh, you, you fly with an airplane over an area. You send a bunch of these signals out of the bottom of the plane. Those signals go down to the ground surface and then bounce back up to the plane. They get recorded and you just have this point cloud. Don't really know what I'm talking about now. But the effect, the net effect of LIDAR LIDAR coverage, as it's called, or I hope we can fly some LIDAR this summer up in the Okanagan Highlands or whatever, you get these incredibly detailed images of the surface of the Earth. And magically, if you fly LIDAR over an area, you remove the trees, you remove the all sorts of stuff, and you get to these incredible images that, that show stunning detail, most exciting uh, for geomorphologists or people looking for earthquake faults or other rather subtle features that would be overlooked most of the time. And maybe there's a piece of property that you know and you don't, you, you don't think anybody owns that area any better than you and then they fly the LIDAR and you're like, spladam. You didn't know there was a big lake bed there. You didn't know that there was a, a an old meander of the river that used to go through your property, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, that alone seems fine. But Dan has this artistic eye. Uh, we, didn't touch it on, we didn't touch on it on Friday, but I think he did. He's from Ohio, and I think he did go to some sort of school of art for his undergraduate degree, and then he got into geography at Portland State, if, if memory serves. And so he's coming at this from a artistic point of view, a graphics point of view, but he knows enough geography to have a sense of, of how our world works. So at the 15-minute mark, here's my message. This guy, Daniel Coe, is creating images, posters. Um, well, he's, he's creating graphics that are in different forms. And they are absolutely breathtaking. I'll, I'll just have you go there to, to look at this stuff. But it's, it's Washington-centric. He walks, works for the Washington Geological Survey. His general approach is as LIDAR coverage emerges, in other words, if LIDAR is flown over a certain half of a county or something, then Dan gets his hands on that LIDAR and he starts cruising around on his computer 
and he's looking for things that catch his eye. And then as he was describing in the interview with me on Friday, he has enough artistic ability and technical ability to have a visual in his mind for what would work with that data. In other words, anybody can get the LIDAR. Anybody can look at it right now. You can go on the Washington Geological Survey website. You can get to the data. You can look at it just like everybody else. But there's not many people. Maybe he's the only guy that can know where to put a light source, know how to use a hillshade, know how to use color, and how to just, as he says, make that feature pop. And I guess since I interviewed him on Friday and since I posted the YouTube video interview on Monday afternoon, and now it's Wednesday morning, I guess since Monday, uh, as I've been seeing the, this reaction, I've been kind of in, talking to Elizabeth, you know, as I'm washing the windows, as I took a break from washing the windows, uh, trying to think about why, um, why I'm such a fan and why... Maybe not everybody's a fan. And that's not a negative thing. It's like, it just feels like this guy is so rare and what he's doing is so unique and impressive. And I don't think to this point that people are seeing the exceptional talent and the power of what he's doing. So this is in my own small way, that's what I'm trying to do here, get more eyes on his work. Okay, so I'll let the interview speak for itself, and I'll let you see all this crazy stuff, including his brand new set of, I think he had 10 images that he kind of gave us a sneak peek on in the interview that uh, are not out yet. And yeah, again, there, there there's posters that, that maybe, I don't know, maybe you've seen posted up in some visitor center or somewhere, but uh, there's also, you know, all the stuff's free and available for teachers and everything else on a Flickr album. Okay. So I'd like to spend the next 10 minutes or so, if you don't mind, broadening away from Daniel and just talking about science and visuals. Still trying to process why it's important to me and not that important to others, but I'm going to give it a try. Of course, I have to use my personal life as an example. Uh, I grew up in southern Wisconsin, pretty white bread existence. Sports were very important to me and uh, my buddies, you know, that was about it, and working on the farm. And I had a grandma, Helen, from the Chicago area, and I don't know why, but starting when I was about 10 years old, every Christmas, my grandma Helen would give me two gifts. One was a renewal of my subscription to Sports Illustrated, you know, magazines that just come every week. This is like in the 1970s now, you know. And also a annual subscription to National Geographic. So the Sports Illustrated I read every week and, uh, you know, great photos, interesting pieces, read the back page with 
all, all those uh, fame, Curry Kirkpatrick and all those guys, Gary Smith. But of course, I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about there were 12 issues a year, once a month, National Geographic, and they came in that brown grocery bag type material. And you'd open that thing and it would be highly glossy, literally and figuratively. Tremendous photos. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm, I mean, if you're young, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. I, National Geographic, used, this is pre-internet, National Geographic used to be a huge deal. More than just a you know a twelve-year-old boy in in southern Wisconsin with acne and uh, raging hormones. But looking back, I think that National Geographic exposure not only got me interested in geography and different places, but it really spoke to me visually. Not just the photography, but those maps. Now, I'm talking to old people now, I guess. But do you remember? I used to keep those things. I'm kind of a collector type person. So, of course, I had every National Geographic <laughs> with the little yellow bindings. And I kept all the map inserts. You know, you'd have this map tucked into some of those issues, and the map would fall out. And then you'd open up that map, and then you'd fold it back up and put it back in. Uh I had, by the end of my subscription, which was 20 years later, I, I think I had every National Geographic in the 1970s and the 1980s. And even as a college kid, I'd, you know, I had a bed and a desk and some clothes and my National Geographics. I never threw them away. In fact, the, one of the most iconic stories in our young marriage, uh, when I met and married Liz, we, I took my first job teaching in Ohio, and we moved from Idaho to Ohio. I had all those National Geographics shipped, boxed, and, and shipped because there wasn't room in the U-Haul or whatever. I don't remember why we shipped them. But it cost an incredible amount. And finally got all that stuff there. I'm like, why did we just spend hundreds of dollars sending <laughs> all these National Geographics? Okay getting off the tangent here. I know, I know, you had 50 years worth of National Geographic. Okay, we get it. But what I'm trying to say is the map making, the illustrations, I don't think I understood it at the time, but I think I understand it now. I, I was drawn in by those visuals. And if we really are talking about a 13-year-old kid, I'm sure I wasn't reading most of the articles. I was just, you know, scanning and then and then really slowing down and looking careful. And if you remember those National Geographics, National Geographic graphics, they they had a certain flair to them, a professionalism to them. Um, and, and, and I think as I'm talking to folks and reading these comments about the Daniel Coe interview, I, I think I'm realizing that, first of all, he has that level of talent to easily be working for National Geographic. But it's that same kind of power of a visual that's at play. So that's me personally. Now, the other thing I think I'd like to say is that 
as I've you know visited with other geologists, listened to guest lectures, gone to conferences, I've I've realized that a certain recognition of the power of visuals, first of all, and then the ability to kind of lean into key visuals, that's just a very small subset of geologists. I can only speak to geology now. And, ge and that might be surprising to you because what is geology really? It, it's a science that has a wonderful intersection with beautiful places and maps and graphic portrayal of things are an important part of our world. And yet I, I see so many in geology presenting their data, whether it's in uh, a publication form or a, a talk, if they're giving, you know, in the old days with slides and, and now with PowerPoint, of course, um, just being afraid of using powerful visuals or never occurring to them to include some, some striking visuals. And I'm not just talking about photography now. I'm talking about the work that Dan Coe can do. To have an oblique view, almost like a view out of a drone, but using very high-precision drone, uh, sorry, high-precision LIDAR imagery uh, to just make these things sing. It's not a common thing in geology, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And of course, all these episodes circle back on what I'm doing. Narcissism 101. We're up to Narcissism 401, I think, by now. Maybe we're graduate-level narcissism, the way I circle every one of these episodes back to me. But what I'm doing, oftentimes in the field in a way, is, 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 is emphasizing the visual power of lots of this. And many science people who do follow what I'm doing are kind of like, oh, wow, you really are doing something different. People really like the, the photography you're doing. That's what they say. You know, I, I don't think of myself as a photographer, but... So I, I'm stumbling a little bit extra this morning, but I, I think what I'm trying to say is that, yes, you're trained as a geologist. Yes, you're trained to acquire data and, and be, be proficient in math, chemistry, and physics, depending on your field. And, and you're setting up a lab. And you, you can't expect those folks to then have this you know, highly um, evolved sense of uh, visual presentation of their work. But boy, when I do run into a geologist who has that sense, whether it's photography, whether it's Kevin Pogue down at Whitman College has that sense. Who else can I come up with immediately? Boy, I don't know. That was a mistake to, to, to name drop because I, I can't come up with a whole bunch more. Ralph Haggard, I think. Uh, some just can, can see it. They not only can see it, but they, they, center, they, they center their message Okay, now I'm getting excited because I think I'm finally on to what I wanted to say in, a, in, a, in this way. Just talking to teachers now, I think. If you're teaching a topic, if you're teaching a lesson in geology, how do you organize that hour? Is it just 
well, I'm going to talk about this, and then I'm going to talk about this, and then I'm going to talk about this, and then I'm going to talk about this. That, that's your plan? All right. I'm going, to de- I'm going to define this word, and then I'm going to define that word, and then I'm going to label this word, and I'm going to label this, label this word, what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just going to work my way through. I did that on purpose, by the way. But I think some of us build our talks or our presentations or our messages or our lessons around a handful of key images. Whether it's a video clip or whether it's something from Daniel Coe which I'm going to definitely do more of. And you can bring your audience into your message by looking at that visual from Daniel Coe. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. I have found that this geology stuff works with a lot of different kinds of people. Because the places that I'm talking about, they know. They, they feel an intimate connection to a certain place. And they immediately go to their personal experiences where they hunt there every fall or whatever it is. They feel they know that place. They have a connection to that place. And they have an image of that place in their mind. And if I start talking about that place, we already have something in common. Because I know that place, and they know that place. How about if I get to an image early? How about if I, if I highlight a Daniel Coe LIDAR image artistically presented early? I've got them. They go, oh, God, there it is. That's the place. But then they're like, wait, I've never seen it quite like that. What what direction are we looking here? Oh, we're coming in from the northeast? Huh. And if they're really out of it, didn't mean it that way. If they're, if they're really interested, they'll go, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like, is this a photo? What is this? Why is it all blue? Different shades of blue. Like, who made this thing? That's exactly what I asked myself three, four years ago. And I've been thinking about it, and I cannot remember. I can't remember the first Daniel Coe image that I ran across. But at some point, somebody either sent me something, or I don't know how, but I started seeing these LIDAR images. And I'm like, i got to figure out who this person is. Nobody's doing this. And if you watch the video interview, I try to get Dan to toot his own horn, and he's not interested. (laughs) He's not interested in that. Which is fine. Admirable, even. He works with a whole group of geologists. They're all in cubicles next to each other. He doesn't want to piss anybody off. But it's obvious to me, his talent level is through the roof. And I'm hoping to get some new followers to his work. I don't know if this one worked. I, You know, it's kind of a gamble when I start. I don't know if I'm going to kind of eventually stumble onto a theme that's going to kind of sing. Sometimes it, it, it happens naturally. I don't know if I got there this time. 
But my main message is, I think you've already heard it, there's not that many extremely talented people out there who are also productive, who are also doing things that nobody else is doing. As far as I can tell, nobody else can do what this cat's doing. He's laying down some heavy stuff on the regular. And once you get into his world, through Instagram or through the Washington Geological Survey website or somehow else, Twitter, I think once you get into his world, you're not going to leave because there's a lot to enjoy now and hopefully there will be plenty to enjoy from Daniel Coe in years to come. 32 minutes, I think that's enough for today. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. Please go enjoy Daniel Coe's artwork. I love you, and goodbye.